part three of anne severn and the fieldings by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three anne and gerald chapter one where have you been all the day lord rendell my son where have you been all the day my pretty one five years had passed it was august nineteen ten anne had come again she sat out on the terrace with adeline while colin's song drifted out to them through the open window it was her first day the first time for three years anne's calendar was blank from nineteen seven to nineteen ten when she was seventeen she had left cheltenham and gone to live with grandpapa everett at the essex farm grandpapa everett wanted her more than grandmamma severn who had aunt emily so anne had stayed with him all that time she had spent it learning to farm and looking after grandpapa in his bad days for the last year of his life all his days had been bad now he was dead dead three months ago and anne had the farm she was going to train for five years under the man who had worked it for grandpapa after that she meant to manage it herself she had been trying to tell aunt adeline all about it but you could see she wasn't interested she kept on saying yes and oh and really in the wrong places she never could listen to you for long together and this afternoon she was evidently thinking of something else perhaps of john severn who had been home on leave and gone again without coming to the fieldings i've been to my sweetheart mother make my bed soon for i'm sick to my heart and i fain would lie down mournful and beautiful colin's song came through the windows and anne thought of gerald who was not there he was staying in yorkshire with some friends of his the durhams he would be back to-morrow he would have got away from the durhams make my bed soon to-morrow to-morrow who are the durhams auntie he's sir charles durham something important in the punjab some high government official he'll be useful to gerald if he gets a job out there they're going back in october i suppose i shall have to ask maisie durham before they sail maisie durham maisie durham but to-morrow he would have got away what will you leave your lover rendell my son when will you leave your lover my pretty one a rope to hang her mother make my bed soon a rope to hang her mother make my bed soon for i'm sick to my heart and i fain would lie down oh sing something cheerful colin for goodness sake said his mother but colin sang it again a rope to hang her bless him you'd think he'd known all the wicked women that ever were my little call calling like that darling you used to say colin was your favourite no my dear never never it was always gerald ever since he was born he never cried when he was a baby colin was always crying poor call call there you are nobody'll ever say poor gerald i like happy people anne in this tiresome world it's people's duty to be happy if it was would they be don't look at me as if i wasn't i wasn't thinking of you ducky you might tell pinkney to take all those tea-things off the terrace and put them back into the lounge chapter two the
the beech trees stood in a half ring at the top of the highest field gerald had come back he and anne sat in the bay of the beeches looking out over the hills curve after curve of many-coloured hills rolling together flung off from each other an endless undulation rounded heads carrying a clump of trees like a comb long steep groins packed with tree-tops raking necks hog-maned with stiff plantations slopes that spread out fanwise open wide wings an immense stretching and flattening of arcs up to the straight blue wall on the horizon a band of trees stood up there like a hedge calm clean spaces emerging the bright sharp-cut pattern of the fields squares and fans and pointed triangles close-fitted emerald green of the turnips yellow of the charlock lifted high and clear red-brown and pink and purple of ploughed land and fallows red gold of the wheat and white green of the barley shimmering in a wash of thin air where anne and gerald sat green pastures bitten smooth by the sheep flowed down below them in long ridges like waves on the right the bright canary-coloured charlock brimmed the field its flat vanilla and almond scent came to them what's yorkshire like not a patch on this place i can't think what there is about it that makes you feel so jolly happy but you'd always be happy gerald anywhere not like that i mean a queer uncanny feeling that you sort of can't make out i know i know there's nothing on earth that gets you like the smell of charlock anne tilted up her nose and sniffed delicately fancy seeing this country suddenly for the first time he said there's such a lot of it you wouldn't see it properly it takes ages just to tell one hill from another he looked at her she could feel him meditating considering i say i wonder what it would feel like seeing each other for the first time not half so nice as seeing each other now why we shouldn't remember any of the jolly things we've done together he had seen maisie durham for the first time she wondered whether that had made him think of it no but the effect might be rather stunning i mean of seeing you it wouldn't and you'd be nothing but a big man with a face i rather liked i suppose i should like your face we shouldn't know each other gerald no more we should it would be like not knowing dad or mummy or colin a thing you can't conceive it would be like not knowing anything at all of course the best thing would be both both knowing each other and not knowing you can't have it both ways he said oh can't you you don't half know me as it is and i don't half know you we might both do anything any day things that would make each other jump what sort of things that's the exciting part of it we wouldn't know i believe you could anne make me jump wait till i get out to india you're really going really going daddy may send for me any day i may be sent there then we'll go out together will maisie durham be going too oh lord no not with us at least i hope not poor little maisie i was a beast to say that is she little no rather big but you think of her as little only i don't think of her they stood up they stood close looking at each other laughing as he laughed his eyes took her in from head to feet wondering admiring anne's face and body had the same forward springing look in their very stillness they somehow suggested movement her young breasts sprang forwards sharp pointed her eyes had no sliding corner glances he was forever aware of anne's face turning on its white neck to look at him straight and full 
her black-brown eyes shining and darkening and shining under the long black brushes of her eyebrows even her nose expressed movement a sort of rhythm it rose in a slender arch raked straight forward dipped delicately and rose again in a delicately questing tilt this tilt had the delightful air of catching up and shortening the curl of her upper lip the exquisite lower one sprang forward sharp and salient from the little dent above her innocent rounded chin its edge curled slightly forward in a line firm as ivory and fine as the edge of a flower as long as he lived he would remember the way of it and she she was aware of his body slender and tense under his white flannels it seemed to throb with the power it held in prisoned in the smooth tight muscles his eyes showed the colour of dark hyacinths set in his clear sun-brown skin he smiled down at her and his mouth and little fawn-brown moustache followed the tilted shadow of his nostrils suddenly her whole body quivered as if his had touched it and when she looked at him she had the queer feeling that she saw him for the first time never before like that never before but to him she was the same anne he knew her face as he knew her mother's face or colin's he knew he remembered all her ways and this was not what he wanted he wanted some strange wonder and excitement he wanted to find it in anne and in nobody but anne and he couldn't find it he wanted to be in love with anne and he wasn't she was too near him too much a part of him too well known too well remembered she made him restless and impatient looking looking for the strangeness the mystery he wanted and couldn't find if only he could have seen her suddenly for the first time chapter three it was extraordinary how happy it made her to be with aunt adeline walking slowly slowly with her round the garden stretched out beside her on the terrace following her abrupt moves from the sun into the shade and back again or sitting for hours with her in the big darkened bedroom when adeline had one of the bad headaches that attacked her now brushing her hair and putting handkerchiefs soaked in eau de cologne on her hot forehead extraordinary because this inactivity did violence to anne's nature besides auntie adeline behaved as if you were uninteresting and unimportant not attending to a word you said yet her strength lay in her inconsistency one minute her arrogance ignored you and the next she came humbly and begged for your caresses she was dependent like a child on your affection anne thought that pathetic and there was always her fascination that was absolute above logic and morality irrefutable as the sweetness of a flower everybody felt it even the servants whom she tormented with her incalculable wants gerald and colin even elliot now that he was grown up felt it as for uncle robert he was like a young man in the beginning of first love adeline judged people by their attitude to her and whether she listened to her or not was her own darling her husband and john severn were adorable major markham of wickwold and mr hawtrey of medlicote who admired her were perfect dears sir john corbett of underwoods who didn't was that silly old thing resist her and she felt no mean resentment you simply dropped out of her scene thus her world was peopled with her adorers anne couldn't have told you whether she felt the charm on its own account or whether the pleasure of being with her was simply part of the blessed state of being at wick on the hill enough that auntie adeline was there where uncle robert and elliot and colin and gerald were 
she belonged to them she belonged to the house and garden she stood with the flowers anne was walking with her now gathering roses for the house the garden was like a room shut in by the clipped yew walls and open to the sky the sunshine poured into it the flagged walks were pale with heat anne's cat nicky was there the black persian that gerald had given her last birthday he sat in the middle of the path on his haunches his forelegs straight and stiff planted together his face had a look of sweet and solemn meditation oh nicky oh you darling she said when she stroked him he got up arching his back and carrying his tail in a flourishing curve like one side of a lyre he rubbed against her ankles a white butterfly flickered among the blue larkspurs when nicky saw it he danced on his hind legs clapping his forepaws as he tried to catch it but the butterfly was too quick for him anne picked him up and he flattened himself against her breast butting under her chin with his smooth round head in his loving way and as adeline wouldn't listen to her anne talked to the cat clever little thing he sees everything all the butterflies and the dicky birds and the daddy long legs don't you my pretty one what's the good of talking to the cat said adeline he doesn't understand a word you say he doesn't understand the words he says but he feels the feeling he was the most beautiful of all the pussies he was he was nonsense you're throwing yourself away on that absurd animal for all the affection you'll get out of him i shall get out just what i put in he expects to be talked to well so do i i've been trying to talk to you all afternoon and you won't listen and you don't know how you can hurt nicky's feelings he's miserable if i don't tell him he's a beautiful pussy the minute he comes into my room he creeps away under the washstand and broods we take these darling things and give them little souls and hearts and we've no business to hurt them and they've such a tiny time to live too look at him sitting up to be carried like a child oh wait my dear till you have a child you ridiculous baby oh come gerald's every bit has gone on him you're a ridiculous pair said adeline if nicky purred round your legs you'd love him too said anne chapter four uncle robert was not well he couldn't eat the things he used to eat he had to have fish or chicken and milk and beef tea and benger's food gerald said it was only indigestion and he'd be all right in a day or two but you could see by the way he walked now that there was something quite dreadfully wrong he went slowly slowly as if every step tired him out sorry gerald to be so slow but gerald wouldn't see it they had gone down to the manor farm he and gerald and anne he wanted to show gerald the prize stock and what heifers they could breed from next year i should keep on with the shorthorns you can't do better he said then they had gone up the fields to see if the wheat was ready for cutting yet and he had kept on telling gerald what crops were to be sown after the wheat swedes to come first and vetch after the swedes to crowd out the charlock you'll have to keep the charlock down gerald or it'll kill the crops you'll have the devil of a job he spoke as though gerald had the land already and he was telling him the things he wanted him to remember they came back up the steep pasture very slowly uncle robert leaning on gerald's arm they sat down to rest under the beech trees at the top they looked at the landscape the many-coloured hills rolling together flung off from each other in endless undulations beautiful country beautiful country said uncle robert as if he had never seen it before you should see my farm anne said 
it's as flat as a chessboard and all squeezed up by the horrid town grandpapa sold a lot of it for building i wish i could sell the rest and build a farm in the coatwolds do you ever have farms to sell uncle robert well not to sell to let perhaps if a tenant goes you can have the barrow farm when old sutton dies he can't last long but he went on you'll find it very different farming here how different well in some of those fields you'll have to fight the charlock all the time and in some the soil's hard and in some you've got to plough across the sun because of the slope of the land remember gerald anne's to have the barrow farm if she wants it when sutton dies gerald laughed my dear father i shall be in india i'll remind you uncle robert uncle robert smiled i'll tell barker to remember he said barker was his agent it was as if he were thinking that when sutton died he might not be there and he had said that sutton wouldn't last long anne looked at gerald but gerald's face was happy he didn't see it they left uncle robert in the library drinking hot water for tea gerald anne said i'm sure uncle robert's ill oh no it's only indigestion he'll be as right as rain in a day or two chapter five anne's cat nicky was dying gerald struggled with his sleep pushing it back and back before him trying to remember there was something something that had hung over him the night before he had been afraid to wake and find it there something now he remembered nicky was dying and anne was unhappy that was what it was that was what he had hated to wake to anne's unhappiness and the little cat there was nothing else nothing wrong with daddy only indigestion he had had it before the room was still dark but the leaded squares of the window lattices barred a sky pale with dawn in her room across the passage anne would be sitting up with nicky he remembered now that he had to get up early to make her some tea he lit a candle and went to her door to see if she were still awake her voice answered his gentle tapping who's there me gerald may i come in yes but don't bring the light in he's sleeping he put out the candle and made his way to her against the window panes he could see the outline of her body sitting upright in a chair she glimmered there in her white wrapper and he made out something black stretched straight and still in her lap he sat down in the window seat and watched the room was mysterious full of dusk air that thinned as the dawn stirred in it palpably waking first anne's white bed a strip of white cornice and a sheet of watery looking-glass nicky's saucer of milk gleamed white on the dark floor at anne's feet the pale ceiling lightened and with a sliding shimmer of polished curves the furniture rose up from the walls presently it stood clear wine-coloured shining in the strange pure light and in the strange pure light he saw anne in her white wrapper with the great rope of her black hair plaited hanging down her back the little black cat lay in her white lap supported by her arm she smiled at gerald strangely she spoke and her voice was low and strange he's asleep jerry he kept on looking at me and mewing then he tried to climb into my lap and couldn't and i took him up and he was quiet then i think he was pleased that i took him i've given him the morphia pill and i don't think he's in pain he'll die in his sleep yes he'll die in his sleep he hardly knew what he was saying he was looking at anne and it was as if now at last he saw her for the first time this this was what he wanted this mysterious strangely smiling anne 
this white anne with the great plaited rope of black hair who belonged to the night and the dawn i'm going to get you some tea he said he went down to the kitchen where everything had been left ready for him overnight he lit the gas ring and made the tea and brought it to her with cake and bread and butter on a little tray he set it down beside her on the window-seat but anne could neither eat nor drink she cried out to him oh jerry look at him you think he's dying now he knelt down and looked nicky's eyes were two slits of glaze between half-shut lids his fur stood up on his bulging frowning forehead his little flat cat's face was drawn to a point with a look of helpless innocence and anguish his rose-leaf tongue showed between his teeth as he panted yes i'm awfully afraid he's dying they waited half an hour an hour they never knew how long once he said to her would you rather i went or stayed and she said stayed if you don't mind through the open window from the fields of charlock warm in the risen sun the faint smooth scent came to them then nicky began to cough with a queer quacking sound gerald went to her upsetting the saucer as he came it's his milk she said he couldn't drink it and with that she burst into tears oh anne don't cry don't cry anne darling he put his arm round her he laid his hand on her hair and stroked it he stooped suddenly and kissed her face gently quietly because of the dead thing in her lap it was as if he had kissed her for the first time for one instant she had her arm round his neck and clung to him hiding her face on his shoulder then suddenly she loosed herself and stood up before him holding out the body of the little cat take him away please jerry so that i don't see him he took him away all day the sense of kissing her remained with him and all night with the scent of her hair the sweet rose scent of her flesh the touch of her smooth rose-leaf skin that was anne that strangeness that beauty of the clear cold dawn that scent that warm sweet smoothness that clinging of passionate arms and he had kissed her gently quietly as you kiss a child as you kiss a young small animal he wanted to kiss her close pressing down on her mouth deep into her sweet flesh to hold her body tight tight crushed in his arms if it hadn't been for nicky that was the way he would have kissed her to-morrow to-morrow he would kiss anne that way end of part three recording by expatriate in bangor maine